Okay, I think we're live. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Let's see who we got this morning. Good morning, Vess. How are you, sir? Good to see you this morning. I tried to come on a minute or two early or earlier than I normally do in order to make sure that everybody got a chance to come in and get settled before uh, Pastor Sean comes. Good morning, Hillary. Good morning, Vita. Good morning, Dexter. You guys know what you do once you come into the room. It looks like there's about 20 of you right now. Good morning, Mish. Uh, come on in the room. Uh, say hello. Let us know where you're watching from. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mama. Uh, also, when you come in, go ahead and give some hearts and some likes, and then let's participate in some virtual outreach. What is virtual outreach? It means you hit the share button. You share it to your page, to your groups, because when you share, you share with your friends, your family, and your followers. Good morning, Natasha. Uh, those of you who usually join us on IG, we will be starting the IG page up in just a little bit. Uh, but you know, IG only gives us an hour, so I decided not to start it at the moment. Uh, I'll start it in just a little bit, so that way when Pastor Sean is teaching, uh, hopefully it doesn't get cut off too much uh, before we have to restart it. So good morning to all of you. Good morning. Thank you for the hearts. Thank you for the shares. Uh, tag our partners. Uh, I'm telling you, man, There, the, the Lord has just been speaking to me about some, some things concerning our partners, and you're not going to want to miss today. I am just here to do the introduction. Uh, Pastor Sean is going to be teaching this morning. It's going to be a dynamic message. Uh, as you can already see, she's going to be talking about the power of the prophetic, and so you don't want to miss this. I hope you all had a chance to join uh, Pastor Chris this morning. Uh, I just love listening to uh, her sing and worship. Uh, thank God for her. I love listening to her husband, Nigel, play. He's such a talented musician. Uh, I tell people all the time, y'all better be glad uh, the Lord didn't bless me to be able to sing. Y'all wouldn't be able to stand me if I could sing because I would just be singing all the time. Amen. <laughs> but praise God, she is anointed to do that. And I appreciate her doing that every uh, Sunday morning at 930. Do have some announcements I'll be sharing with you. But again, let's go ahead and let's begin to share uh, this morning's broadcast. You know, this is week number 23. This is week 23 of us uh, doing our e-church. And it's so amazing uh, if you think about it, because uh, when we missed that first service in March, when, when, the, when the city and the state uh, closed everything down, if, if you're like me, most of us assumed it'd be for a couple of weeks. Uh, but you know, it's, it's August. Today is August the 22nd. Uh, that means it's been literally five months. It's been five full months since we met together. I think the last time we met in person uh, together was like March the 17th. And here it is, August 22nd. Uh, it's our 23rd week of E-Church. And you know what? Praise God, we are still going strong. We are still going strong. So I thank God for each and every one of you. Uh, good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Angie. I thank God for each and every one of you who have who have stayed with us. Good morning, Tabitha. Those of you who have uh, stayed with us and stayed the course. You know, one of the things that, that I was praying about during this week 
Uh, it's just the ability uh, for our partners to, and I don't even want to use the term "stay connected," uh, but I want to use I want to use a, a, a different term about them staying grounded. I want our partners to stay grounded. Now is not the time to get bored uh, with e church. Now is not the time to get bored of having to uh, to to be online service. I was I, I was in some groups and I know people were talking about how they just tired of e church. But you know what? It was the same people who were saying they were tired of going to church. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, if you don't discipline yourself, you will never be able to do anything long term. And that is the reason why many people struggle in their life. They can't do anything long term because they don't have any discipline. And so partners, I'm praying for you uh, to be disciplined where the word of God is concerned. You know, I've made the decision that if this is how we have to do church in, until January or to, or to January or 2022, whatever it takes, I'm going to stay grounded and I'm going to stay right here with the Lord. And I pray that you will do the same. So good morning to all of you once again. Uh, go ahead and Pastor Sean's going to come. Uh, I don't like to take up a lot of time. Uh, I'll come back if she wants me to to pray at the end. I will give you a couple of announcements as you're still coming in. Uh, go ahead and say hello to people in the group. Good morning, Amber. Good morning, Ebony. Good morning, Ralph. Good morning, Mama Sand. Uh, good morning to all of you. Uh, just just a reminder. Let's participate this morning in some in some uh, some 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 social outreach. Right. Go ahead and hit that share button. Uh, I know you may be thinking, well, I don't want to share it. Uh, you know, people may be thinking I'm begging it. Listen, don't nobody care what people think. Hit that share button. It may be one person. If you hit that share button, it may be one person who gets their entire life changed because you decided to hit the share button. You may not ever even know it. But if somebody didn't hit a, a, a share button with you, it may not have been virtual. Or, but if somebody didn't share the gospel with you, you wouldn't be where you are today. And so don't deprive somebody of that opportunity. Hit that share button. If you belong to certain groups that you have the right to share to, share to those groups. I want my admins making sure it's shared to the Fellowship of Champions private page. As soon as I get off of here, I'm going to share it to uh, the, 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 the FOC DMV group. I'm going to share with the F, uh, the. FOC Las Vegas group I have. I'm going to share it with the unoffendable group. I'm going to share it everywhere. Why? Because I believe that people need to hear the word. And my job is to put it out there. Their job is to receive it. So I want you to partner with me this morning in helping to get these numbers up. You know, tag our partners. You can't make them get on, but you can tag them. You know, the reality of it is, is that these next four months in this, in, in this, in this year of 2020, there are some substantial things going to happen. There are some harvest that's going to take place. But harvest isn't just about getting the good stuff. Harvest is also about receiving the stuff that you planted that wasn't good. And so we've been talking about that. And it's very important that our partners get and stay grounded. Stop getting bored with the word of God. Stop getting bored with prayer. Stop getting bored with Bible study. Stop getting bored with worship. You've got to discipline yourself in order to be able to stay grounded. Amen. So let me say this and then I get out of the way. We have a multitude of ways in which you can come and be a part of Fellowship of Champions on a weekly basis. 
One of the things you can do is if you don't live here and you decide you want to be a virtual partner, you can be a virtual partner with us. All you have to do is let us know you want to be a virtual partner. It's very easy to do. You can simply go to our website at www.focchurch.com. And then once you go there, there's a place that allows you to, it's a, it's a connection. It allows you to become a virtual partner. You just put your information in there. That information comes to me. I'll get to see that information and we'll put you on our list of virtual partnerships. What does it mean to be a virtual partner? It literally means that you pray for us and we pray for you. We give you the word and you help the ministry do the things that it needs to do, either by prayer, by fasting, by giving. Whatever we need, you help us. And whatever you need, we help you. That's what divine partnership is all about. So if you want to be a virtual partner, you can do that. Now, let's talk about how you can stay connected during the week. Well, we start off every Monday. Pastor Sean does Mindset Monday. Mindset Monday at noon on Mondays. Even though that is a part of kind of her Sean Strickland Enterprise, it also is beneficial to those of you who are a part of Fellowship of Champions because you it's free. She does it for the world. So you can come and you can hear that information. You can get your mind reset for Monday so you can face everything that's going to come at you during the week so that you don't get to Wednesday and feel like you're going under. So I encourage you, start off your Mondays with Mindset Monday, set you an alarm for 11.50, it'll beep, and you, you can know that at 12 o'clock, she'll be on there. Tuesday night prayer, you ought to come to Tuesday night pray, the, the prayer. The Bible says that man should always pray and not cease. Well, if you're, if you're not prolific at praying, one of the best things you can do is join us on Tuesday night because those people who are praying on Tuesday night are prolific at prayer. You hear me? I mean, they are praying the word of God. We do that every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. right here on the Fellowship of Champions page. So all you got to do, again, turn those notifications on. Turn those notifications on and then when we come live, even if you forgot about it, it'll pop up on your phone and you can click right in there to prayer. Then on Wednesday night, same thing. You can sit on Wednesday night uh, for 8.30 p.m. We have refreshed Bible study with Pastor Ralph Marlowe. Listen, he does it from his own personal page and he's also broadcast on the Fellowship of Champions page. Set your notification for one of them or both of them. I don't care, but do something so that when it comes up, you get the word. Amen. It's at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time every Wednesday night refresh Bible study. And listen, if you're like most of us and you're having multiple Zoom calls during the day, you got kids who are starting school virtually, you trying to figure all of this stuff out, you're going to need to get refreshed by Wednesday night. You're going to need to have some refreshing going on. And so you can put the kids down and then by 8.30 come and just listen to that word. I promise you it will refresh you. And then of course, you know, on Sunday mornings, we always kick off at 9.30 a.m. with Kristen Valley and you and she, she comes on her her page at Kristen Valley Worships. I also share it to several other pages. So if you want, if, if you, I encourage you to go and like her page. Go like her page. Turn the notifications on there. But if you haven't done it, we also broadcast it here because we don't want anybody to miss it at all as well. So I share it to our page here as well. But I encourage you to go and like her page. And then, of course, uh, at 10 o'clock, we kick off with Fellowship of Champions weekly service. And so I've said all of that. I'll come back. I'll say some of that at the end if I need to. Uh, at some point during the message, there'll be a way that you can give. It'll be pinned on the screen. I don't want to spend a lot of time with that right now. What I do want to do is introduce to you your speaker for the day. It is none other than my beautiful, anointed, talented wife, 
uh, who's going to absolutely preach the gospel to you. And I'm so grateful that I get to go and lay in my bed and listen to her teach the word this morning. Praise God. After 10 weeks, she is going to come and teach now for the next 10 weeks. Praise God. Amen. And she's going to give you the word that's going to change your life. So as she comes, I want each and every one of you, let's see, there's about 60 something of you on here right now. I want at least 120 hearts. That's two hearts from every person who's on here. Go ahead and start tapping that heart as she comes. Those of you who are waiting, us, waiting on us on IG, I'm going to get you started right now. God bless you. Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome, 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 welcome. Um, listen, don't let Pastor Elm gas y'all up. I'm not going to be teaching for the next 10 weeks. He'll be back. So, um, I am not going to be with you very long this morning. I want to talk to you about the power of the prophetic, and I want to encourage you to really share this broadcast with other people because I believe that it's something powerful, um, that God wants us to understand. And I think that, um, and so I'm going to pray and we're just going to jump into it. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are redeemed. We thank you that because of the redemption power of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be sons of God. And Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. So Holy Spirit, we release you. We untie your hands. Do what it is that you do. Enlighten our eyes. Um, pull off the stony places of our hearts. Um, open our ears so that we can hear clearly, so that we can bring ourselves into alignment with the will of the Father for our lives. We thank you for the written word because the written word instructs us, it reproves us, it corrects us. And so we thank you that we don't have to stay the same. And we bless you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today, guys, I am going to be talking about the power of the prophetic. Today, I'm going to be talking about the power of the prophetic. And so many of you know, if you've, if you've rocked with me any length of time, you know, one of my favorite sayings is what, what did God say? That's one of my absolute favorite things. I don't say it as some cliche. I say it because I believe that there is power on whatever God said. And one of the examples that I like to use is the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles, where Jehoshaphat, he was the king of Israel. He's surrounded by these four kings who want to destroy and take over Israel. And he's like, what in the world are we going to do? And so he calls for a prophet. And when he calls for a prophet, um, the prophet says, send Judah first. No, first of all, the prophet says, go on a fast. And then the prophet says, send Judah first, right? And no one out here can would think that in your natural mind that you would ever say we're surrounded by enemies somebody wants to kill us they want to enslave us and what we're going to do is we're going to send the praise team we're going to send the people who have not been trained with swords they have not been trained with shields they have not been trained riding horses but what they have been trained to do is sing songs unto the lord and so what happens is is that because he because he heard that word from god the word from God became powerful because what God said it. And so one of the things, the reason that I'm always asking what did God say is because I understand that there is power on whatever God said. And not only that, but that the power on what God said, it is bigger than, it is bigger than whatever has already been said or decreed and declared in the natural. 
Does that make sense? So I just want to talk to you guys about the power of the prophetic because I believe many of us, we mishandle the prophetic. We don't fully honor the prophetic. And because we don't fully honor the prophetic, we don't benefit from the prophetic. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians, it says that he's given us these gifts. He says he's given us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And it says that the perfect of the purpose of this fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints. So God wants us to be perfected. Now, what I love about that is that what it tells us is that God takes us exactly how we are. The way to the Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, we can come raggedy, we can come addicted, we can come sexually bound, we can come full of anger, we can come having been abandoned, rejected, molested, whatever it is, however we come, he will take us how we come. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we came. And I think that it's so important that we begin to understand that the job of the Holy Spirit is not to make you a better version of yourself. The job of the Holy Spirit is not to make me a better version of myself. The job of the Holy Spirit is to transform me into the image of Christ, this image that God envisioned of me before the foundation of the earth. And I think that sometimes many believers really struggle because we get confused between what gets you to heaven and what gets heaven in the earth. So what gets you to heaven and what gets heaven into the earth, right? So what gets me to heaven, what gets me redeemed is to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven if I believe in Jesus, have accepted Jesus as my savior, know that I cannot pay for my sins, recognize what Jesus did for me on the cross, right? And so what happens is that's what gets me to heaven. But how many of you know that God was not interested in just getting you to heaven? In fact, if God was just interested in us going to heaven, then the moment we accepted Jesus, we could drop dead, but we don't. And if you go back to Genesis 1, which is one of my favorite scriptures, because Genesis 1 gives us the intent and the heart of God for humanity. So let's look at that. Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28. One of my favorite passages of scripture because it speaks to the intent. And many times when we're looking at scripture, we are not judging scripture from the intent of God. We are judging scripture from our personal preference. We are judging scripture from what we've been taught religiously. But if we go back to Genesis 1, we will see that the heart of God was for humanity to do something in the earth. It wasn't for humanity to stay in heaven because he brought Adam from heaven because his desire was to do something in the earth, right? So if we look at Genesis 1 verse 26, it says to us, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and he said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth on the earth. Now understand that what God is doing in this state is that even though, because if you if you look at this, when God is saying, Let us create man in our image, he hasn't yet formed Adam in the dirt. And so what he is doing is that he is prophetically speaking to the capacity of the human he is about to create. He is saying, this human is going to be created in my image. 
I'm making a race that they're going to look like me. They're going to reflect me. They're going to be able to do some things like I do. You, you go back in Genesis 1 and you will see that everything God created, he used words to do it. It was dark. He said, let there be light. When it was dark, he didn't go, oh man, it's dark out here. He's teaching us something. He said, oh, we need the sun here. We need sun for the day. We need the moon and the stars for night. He said it and it came to be. He said, we need water over here and land over here. He said it and it came to be. So now when he gets ready to create a man, he says something and it comes to be. And what he says about man, what he says about man is he says, I've created you in my own image. Say this, say I am created in the image of God. I am created in the image of God. And so then he says, I've created him in my image and I've created him in my likeness and I've created him to have dominion. And he begins to give us the list of things that he expects us to have dominion over. He expects us to have dominion over all of the elements. He doesn't expect us to have dominion over each other. Do you see that? He wants us to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl, over the elements, but he is not expecting us to exercise dominion over each other. So basically when God designed to create humans, his desire was to create people who could co-labor and partner with him to bring his vision to pass. He was, he, he was looking for people who would co-labor with him. He wanted children. He wanted a family. He wanted people who would labor with him, who would partner with him to bring his vision for the earth to pass. And what he does is he models for us the power of prophetic words because he calls light out of darkness. He calls dry land where there is no dry land. He calls the division of day and night. And then he calls someone to look just like him. I have created mankind in my image, in my likeness. Now, here's what happens. We know that there was sin, but we also know that the Bible says that what the first Adam did, the last Adam fixed. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's new. If you're a born-again believer, I want you to say that I am new. I want you to say that I'm new. Understand that it's a prophetic word for God to tell you that you're new when you still look the same. Did you hear what I just said? It's a prophetic word for God to say to you that you are new when you still look the same. So here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that not everybody is a prophet, but everybody should prophesy. Let's look at it because I want you to know that it's in the Bible. How can everybody prophesy, Pastor Sean? Because every born again believer has the spirit of God and a prophetic word is just the ability to hear what God is saying. A prophetic word is just the ability to hear what God is saying. I am not telling you that every believer should have a prophetic word for the whole world. I am telling you that you have a blood-bought right to at least have prophetic words for your own life, to at least be able to hear what God is saying for your own life. And I believe that too many of us did not grow up knowing that we had the right to hear God for ourselves. And as a result, we've got a lot of people who are 40, 50, 60, who still don't know what their purpose is, who still don't know how to move past trauma, who still don't know how to move past tragedy because no one said to them, you have a blood-bought right to be able to hear God. Now, 
Now, let me say this. What's going to help my ability to hear God? What's going to help my ability to hear God is the written word. I need to shape what I believe God is saying by what's written in this word. So, for example, if you say to me, Pastor Sean, God told me to be a stripper. No, no, no. You missed God. Now, your flesh may tell you to be a stripper. The world may tell you to be a stripper. But God didn't tell you to be a stripper. Well, but, but, but I need money. I know, but he's giving you the power to create wealth, but it don't include you shaking your tail. You understand what I'm saying? So, oh, but Pastor Sean, this man right here that's married to somebody else, that's my husband. No, 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 boo. You missed God. No, no, no. Because if I'm going to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, the Spirit of God is not going to contradict the Logos word, the written word of God. That is why Pastor Edwin and I are always encouraging you to be students of the word, to read this word, to know what God is saying. Why? Because just like those of us who are active on social media, here's what we know. We know that if we spend time reading people's posts, we get an idea of how they sound, right? So that's just like every once in a while, um, I might say something pretty petty and people will say on my post, when I first read this, I thought this was Pastor Elwin. Well, why did they say that? Because they followed Pastor Elwin long enough that they recognized his words. And so as a result, we should spend, spend enough time in this written word so that when we hear a voice, we can wrap up all of this. Was it God? Was it me? Was it the devil? Number one, I'm going to know it's God because the Bible tells me in John that the sheep know his voice and a stranger they will not follow. A stranger they will not follow. So if I spend time in this word, then what's going to happen is I am going to begin to incline my ear to be able to recognize and discern what God is saying. So does that make sense? Now let's go. I said we were going to go to 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. This is all about the spiritual gifts. We know that chapter 13 talks about love and it tells us that if we don't walk in love, we aren't anything. But in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, it tells us that we should covet the gifts. Why? Because the gifts are how the spirit of God flow. The gifts are how the spirit of God flow. They're revelatory gifts, you know, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. They're power gifts, working of miracles, um, faith. And so we want to operate in the gifts. Why do we want to operate in the gifts? Because those gifts go back to the intent of Genesis 1, which is that we would be fruitful, we would multiply, we would replenish, we would subdue, and we would have dominion. What am I trying to tell you? God never intended for you to be a victim of life circumstances. God never intended for you to let life happen all around you and you come into agreement with what life is doing. He intended for you to just like when he saw it was dark and he said, let there be light. He is expecting you when you see darkness to say what heaven is saying. Amen. Let's look at first Corinthians 14. Verse 31, it says, verse 31, it says, for ye may all prophesy one by one. Notice this is Paul. He's talking about the gifts. He's not telling everybody that they're a prophet, but he's telling everybody you ought to prophesy. And then what it tells us, it tells us why should you all prophesy so that everybody can learn and that everybody may be comforted. So one of the things he begins to tell us here is that New Testament prophecy is supposed to build up. So even in a word of correction, that word 
word of correction is supposed to be building us up. It's supposed to be stripping things away. It's not prophecy is not the time to get out and be like, ooh, so-and-so, I can see that you, whatever, you know, tearing people down. Prophetic words are designed to say to somebody, to say to a person, um, I'm going to see whoever's name I see first, Ralph, is to say to Ralph, God hasn't called you to a higher place and now he's inviting you to come up. So a prophetic word is about elevation. A prophetic word is calling us out of the darkness that we reside in into light. It's calling us out of darkness into light. So God will begin to speak to us prophetically. He will begin to say things to us and those words become weapons. So I want you to say this, say a prophetic word is a weapon. A prophetic word is a weapon. So many people only want warm and fluffy, um, running through the roses, prophetic words. But prophetic words are actually tools of warfare. They are tools of warfare. They are tools of warfare, which is why Paul tells Timothy, do not despise prophetic words. Do not despise prophecy. And many of us, myself included, I've had to repent for despising prophecy. Why did I have to repent for despising prophecy? Because somebody prophesied to me incorrectly. Somebody used prophecy in order to say something that they really just wanted to say to me. But then Paul says to Timothy, he says, do not despise prophecy because if you despise prophetic words, so whoever that sees out here that you have been in a place where someone has used a so-called prophetic word to abuse you, to mistreat you, you need to release them and you need to repent for how you've treated prophecy. Years ago, we had somebody give us this crazy prophetic word per, um, um, publicly. And for years, not only would I not allow people to prophesy to me unless I knew them personally, but I would not release prophetic words. And the Lord had to correct me for that. He was like that. You are, you've now thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And many of us have done that. Someone said something or we've rejected prophetic words because those prophetic words they did not go with our carnal mindset. So God says that he's going to do something and it does not go with our carnal mindset. So what we do is we throw away prophetic words. Anybody want to admit that they've ever done that? Because you believed something at a time, you were in a carnal state at a time, and then a prophetic word speaks to spiritual things. And so now God is talking to you about what he desires to do spiritually and you throw it away because you like, no, 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 that ain't going to be my life. You see what I'm saying? And so I want to go back. I want to talk about this because prophetic words are weapons and those weapons release heaven. We, we the, the, those rep, those weapons release heaven. Why do I say a prophetic word is a weapon? If you look at Ephesians 6 and it talks about the weapons that of our warfare, it tells us that the word is a sword. So when God gives us a prophetic word, it is not for us to feel warm and fuzzy. When God gives us a prophetic word, it is not to run around the building three times. When God gives us a prophetic word, he has just released a sword. Why do you need a sword? You need a sword to do warfare. So when God releases prophetic words to us, he is preparing us for a fight that is coming. He is preparing us for a fight that is coming. He releases a word so that we have an anchor for what is coming. Because the Bible says that a word is a sword, but it also tells us that a word is an anchor. So he releases a word to us to give us an anchor so that we are not tossed to and from by whatever's coming. Here's an example of Jesus doing it. Jesus tells his disciples, we're going to the other side. 
he goes on the boat and he goes to sleep. In the middle of going to he sleep and in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the um sea, there becomes a storm. And the storm begins to shake the boat left and right over and it's it, it's all kind of turmoil and these were fishermen peter was a fisherman so you know it had to be a bad storm because they wake jesus up these fishermen wake jesus up so that means i know all the disciples were not fishermen but but three of them were fishermen and so that storm had to be bad because the fishermen did not say to the tax collector and to everybody else oh no it's cool we good in fact the fisherman works wakes jesus up and says carry thou not that we perish he like you dead laying down here asleep and the boat is shaking i'm nervous i'm an experienced fisherman if i'm nervous you know matthew nervous and so can you tell do you not care that we perish jesus gets up Goes out, speaks to the storm, says, hey, peace be still. I need you to settle down. The storm stops. But when he turns to talk to his disciples, he does not say to them, I am so sad that you were so afraid. Come here, let me rub you on your back. He said, where is your faith? Why didn't you say something to this storm? And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about prophetic words is because I see too many believers who are saying, Lord, do something about this. Lord, Lord, do something about crime. Lord, do something about this. Lord, do something about that. He's like, where is your faith? What are you saying? Because I have given you dominion, authority, the ability to multiply, to replenish, and to subdue, but you let anything come out of your mouth, and then you want me to come and fix what I've already empowered you to fix. I told you we going to the other side. Why are you asking me? Do I not care? I care so much. I gave you a word before the storm. Do you see what I'm saying? God will give you a word before the storm. This, for example, Psalms 91. You may not have ever lived through anything like COVID before, but he gave you a prophetic word. What does he say? The plague shall not come nigh me. So every believer ought to be saying, even if people get offended, even if people say you can't make that kind of declaration, believers ought to be saying, COVID cannot come nigh me. Not because I'm so much, not because I'm so smart, but because I read the prophetic word in here that says, whatever the plague is, it shall not come nigh me. But I want to tell you something. If you have a reckless mouth, if you have a keeping it real mouth, if you got to tell it like you feel it kind of mouth, you're never going to be able to walk in the prophetic like that. You're never going to be able to walk in it because all the enemy has to do is to send you a storm. All he got to do is send you a storm of finances, a storm of your kids acting crazy, a storm of your coworkers acting a fool, and you will forget that you have authority in your mouth to know what to say to the storm, and we will come to your job and you sound like the people who don't know the Lord, and we will come to your house and you talking about your kids like the heathen do. You will do these things and God is saying to you, where is your faith? Do not have a reckless mouth. That's why Pastor Elwin gave us a thing. He says, one of the things you're going to have to do if you're going to be successful is tame your mouth. Tame your mouth. I think as Matthew says it like this, bitter and sweet should not come out the same fountain. Literally, how are you a conduit of heaven? How are you an ambassador of heaven? But you literally look at the world and you curse the world and say how raggedy the world is and how everything sucks. And God cannot trust you to say, I decree something is turning. This is what the Lord is saying. Amen. So now let's go to Amos 3. Amos 3 tells us, you got to study this because I just want to just 
get it all out. Amos 3 tells us that God does not do anything unless he reveals it by his prophets. God does not do anything unless he reveals it by his prophets. So prophetic words are one of the things that prophetic words do is that they are about liberation. Prophetic words are designed to bring us out of darkness into light. Prophetic words are weapons that are designed to cut down. So literally, when the enemy tries to strong arm us into poverty, strong arm us into sickness, strong arm us into depression, strong arm us into oppression, we're supposed to take those prophetic words and use them as a sword and cut ourselves and cut others free. Amen? But the Bible says that in Amos 3 and 7, it says God does not do anything unless he reveals it to his prophets. Now, let me parenthetically insert here that what Jude tells us is that we have to be careful in the last days because what people will do in the last days is that they will set up and follow voices that allow them. Let, let's just look at it because I think it's better if we read it. Jude. Jude is just one chapter in the Bible. This is one of, it's been one of my favorite chapters in the recession. I mean, in the pandemic, it's been one of my favorite chapters. And this is what Jude says. He, Jude says he's a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wanted to write to talk about how great the salvation we have is. That's what he wanted to talk about. He said, but instead he says, I got to write to you in verse three. He says, I, he said, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly in a contend for the faith, which was once delivered to the saints. Verse four says, for there are certain men who have crept in unawares who were once or before or old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen, many of us, we don't even know what all those words mean. So a better translation of it for the average believer is that basically it says um, that he has... Um, for certain men have crept in stealthily through a side door because what they do is they, they teach the people of God that the grace of God gives them the right to live an immoral life. I believe that's the New Living Translation. It says these people have crept in. They're actually in the church. They're not people who are outside of the church. They're not people who are Wiccans. They are not people who claim to be devil worships. They are devil worshipers. They are people who have crept in the church and they literally say to you that the grace of God is, is gives you permission to live how you want to live. He says, be careful of them. Be careful of those prophetic words that God has somehow suspended his expectations. Pastor Edwin asked me, what are you going to teach about last night? And I said, I don't know. And then he said, it's obedience, right? Because one of the things that I find is that so many believers believe that salvation has now set them free from this responsibility to obey God. And so they heap to themselves teachers who co-sign their right to do what they want to do and then they want to use the principles of God to still be blessed and all throughout the Bible the Bible tells us to take heed of people who claim to be prophets who do not tell us to follow God 
He tells us to take heed of prophets. God don't care about you having a car. God don't care about you having a house. God doesn't care about you having stuff. It says, but you got to be careful about prophets who speak to your flesh, who tell you that you can live any kind of way you want to live because they are lying and they will lead you astray. That is why I'm always going to be a person that when people say, I'm getting ready to see something I've never seen before. I'm always going to say, have you done something you've never done before? Because most of the promises of God in this Bible require obedience for you to partake. You can't even be saved unless you partake in what God says is the standard. And so we need prophetic voices that are going to say to us, I am inviting you to come up, take that sword and untangle yourself from sin. Take that sword and untangle yourself from stubbornness. Take that sin and that sword and untangle yourself from the things that keep you from being everything that God called you to be. Now let's look at 2 Chronicles 20 and 20, which is one of my favorite scriptures. 2 Chronicles 20 and 20, it goes back to the story of Jehoshaphat that I was talking about. And if this is blessing you, can you share this broadcast with somebody? And can you give hearts and likes? Because all of that stuff allows it to come up to um, the top of the timeline and allow people to be able to be exposed to this word. And we really believe here at Fellowship of Champions that we are teaching things that allow people to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of life. And so help us spread this word. And if you haven't like the page, then like the page and follow that page. See, that was a brief commercial break. Now let's get back to this. Second Chronicles 20 and 20. Second Chronicles 20 and 20 goes back to the story that I started out talking to you about Jehoshaphat, where when I talked to you about Jehoshaphat, I talked about how he said, send Judah first. But it's a very interesting scripture in, jo in Second Chronicles 20 and 20. It says, um, it says, they got up, they rose up, but the part that we really care about, it says, if you believe God, you will be established. But if you believe his prophets, you will prosper. If you believe his prophets, you shall prosper. So God tells us he doesn't care about your religious background. He doesn't care about your experiences that you have had with bad prophets. He says, if you really want to prosper, you better get you a prophet that you can listen to. You better find you somebody who hears my heart. That's why in Jeremiah 13, I believe it's three. He says, I'm going to give you pastors after my own heart. So with this fivefold ministry, these apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists should all be people who have the heart of God, who are trying to bring the people of God back to the Genesis one state where they're operating in dominion with authority and power. And in order to operate in dominion and authority and power, obedience has to become important to you. Obedience has to become important to you because again, I said to you, you're going to go to heaven because you accepted Jesus. But I know a lot of people who have accepted Jesus, but you live in hell. Your finances stay jacked up. Your body stays jacked up. Your marriage stays jacked up. Your mentality stays jacked up. Yes, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. But Jesus said, he said, when you pray to pray this, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which says that God did not intend for you to live a raggedy life and then go to heaven and have to recover. 
He didn't intend for heaven to be a recovery place. He intended for man from the beginning to duplicate heaven in the earth. And then he sent Jesus to put us back in that state. But if we don't know who we are and we don't give up sin and we do things our own way, even when we are getting prophetic words, they won't benefit us. Now, 2 Chronicles says, if you believe the prophets, you're going to prosper. I looked up that word this morning because you know how you look at you, how you've said a word many, many times. You said a word many, many times, but you never went and said, what does this word mean? And so I looked it up in the Hebrew. Well, this word prosper, it means to advance, to succeed, to make progress and to be profitable. What? He says, now, if you believe the prophets that I have sent to speak on my behalf, you're going to advance, you're going to succeed, you're going to make progress, and you're going to be profitable. Whoa. So even when I get a correction from my man and woman of God, even when they tell me to obey, even when they tell me to cast off sin, even when they call me out for being stubborn, if, they, if they're hearing from God, what it's going to do is cause me to advance. It's going to cause me to succeed. It's going to cause me to make profits, progress, and it's going to cause me to be profitable. Well, how many of you, that's all you want for your life? Is that not John 10 and 10? I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So he says, I'm going to give you some men and women of God who have my heart. And yes, they may correct you sometime, but their intent for correcting you is to cause you to advance, to cause you to succeed, to cause you to make progress and to cause you to be profitable. That is the heart of God for us. For us to go back to this place and aren't those words the same thing as being fruitful? multiplying, replenishing, subduing, and having dominion, God's vision for humanity hasn't changed. Now, um, let's look at Matthew 10 and 41 from the New Living Translation. Matthew 10 and 41 from the Living Trans New Living Translation. Is this helping you guys? Because I want you to properly discern prophetic words, and I want you to prophetically, I want you to properly respond to prophetic words. Because I don't want you to have a disdain for them, but I also don't want you to think that prophetic words are automatic. I'm going to walk you through that. The prophetic words are not automatic. When Jesus, when the angel appears to Mary and says, you've been chosen to birth the Savior, she has to say, be it unto me according to your word. Because if she refuses, then Jesus comes, but she's not the mother. And so prophetic words are personal prophetic words. They are not automatic. And many of you are frustrated because you have rejected prophetic words. But there are others of you that are, are frustrated because you receive them but then you don't do the action you don't do the obedience you don't do the next steps and then a year passes and your life hasn't improved and you're frustrated and you're like well does God love me does he care about me like he cares about everybody else I don't care hear me yes God loves you God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to redeem you back to himself but the love of God towards you will never cause God to justify, to cancel out his own instructions and give you another path. Do you see what I'm saying? God's love for you. We think in the world, a lot of times we think, oh, if you love me, you let me do what I want to do. If you love me, you give me what I want. No, the love of God is that he loved you so much that he wants to put you back to what he created you to be. But the love of God does not obligate God to do what you want. The love of God puts you back in position to have his best for you. So let's look at Matthew 10 and 41. 
It says, if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as the prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. So he tells us how we are supposed to deal with prophets. He says, if you want what the prophet is saying, you've got to receive the prophet. You've got to receive the prophet. I love what Pastor Edwin just said. God loves you enough to hold you to a standard that's designed for your success. The love of God is not God loves you so he tells you that he gives you a cosign to date somebody that he already told you not to date or move to a city or take a job. That's not the love of God. The love of God is saying, I love you so much that I know what's best for you. And if you ever get over here and what's best for you, you will be so glad that I did not give you what you want. I want you to think about this. How many of you, and typically when I say this, it refers to women, but it may be some men. How many of you ever prayed for a relationship? relationship to work. You did your best praying. Maybe you did a little fasting. Maybe you laid on the floor and cried a little bit. Maybe you tried to bargain with God for that relationship to work. And now on the other side of it, you are so glad that God did not give you what you wanted. Anybody? You just knew they were the one. You thought you couldn't live without them. You just had to have them. It may not be a person. It may be a job. Something that you thought you had to have. Anybody ever forced their way into the relationship and then you needed God to get you out of it? Or you forced your way, used your will to get the job and then you had to pray for God to get you out of it? See, just because you can use your human effort to get something doesn't mean that it's God's best for you. What God is saying, partner with me because what I have for you is so much better than what you're picking for yourselves. Why? Because you don't think like me. So I'm going to transform your thinking so you can think like me. So we pick the same things. God just wants us to come into unity with him and pick the same things. All right. So it tells us that we have to respond to the prophets the right way. Let me take a sip of water. We have to respond to God, the, the prophets, the right way. We have to honor the mouthpieces that God has given to speak to us. Now, I'm going to go back to something. Some of you probably knew I was going to this, right? Like I said, what have I told you about a prophetic word? Y'all drop in there. What have I told you about it? It's a weapon. I've told you it's designed for elevation and it's for freedom. I don't know if I said that, but that's the other one. It's a weapon. It's for elevation and it's for freedom, right? So in November, when our pastor, now this is so interesting. This is why I tell you everybody should prophesy. Pastor Elwin does not identify as a prophet, but everybody can prophesy. And when somebody leads a group of people, when they are a shepherd over a group of people, when God is speaking to them, he is not just speaking to them for themselves. He is speaking to them for those they shepherd as well. So even though Pastor Edwin does not identify as a prophet, he got a prophetic word that was designed to benefit all of us. The prophetic word he gave us was a two-part word. And I always, comes, I always come back to this because I think the first part of the prophetic word ties to the second part. The first thing he told us is that it was a season of alignment, agreement, and advancement. 
And when he said it, I think me, somebody else, we said acceleration. He said, no, 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 I did not say acceleration. I said advancement. And he came and taught. Alignment, anybody who's ever had their car aligned, you know that when your car is aligned, it is because it is pulling a little to one side. So they put it on a machine to bring it back so that it goes straight down the middle. So what God was saying is, I need to bring you guys into alignment. Yes, you may love me. Yes, you may serve me. Yes, you may go to church. Yes, you may do all of these stuff. But you veered a little bit to the left. You veered a little bit to the right. And I need to bring you back to a place of alignment. I need to bring you back. Now, how many of you can admit that there may have been things that God told you not to do when you had started kind of doing them? Or there were things that God told you not to do when you were doing them anyway? And a great example is that Ralph talks about, Pastor Ralph, who does midweek Bible study, that the Lord had been saying to him that he needed to do a midweek Bible study. And I think Pastor Edwin and I had told him he should do a Bible study on several occasions. But God was like, I'm going to bring you into alignment, Ralph. I need to bring you back into the middle. Yes, you love me. Yes, you're a good husband. Yes, you tithe. Yes, you're a good father. But in this area, you're not in alignment with me. So what I'm doing in this season is that I am bringing you into alignment. Many of you have felt a stretch in this season because God is bringing you into alignment. But alignment is uncomfortable because there can be seasons where it seems like God lets you get away with stuff. Like maybe God told you to do something and you're not doing it and he don't really seem to be talking to you about it. Or he told you to stop doing something and then you're not really doing you, you. He don't really seem to be saying that much. But when we get to a season of alignment, God begins to deal with us from a very John 15 perspective where he really begins to prune us and he begins to say things to us like, I'm going to need you to grow up. He begins to say things to us like, listen, we've been around this mountain long enough and I'm tired of talking to you about this offense that you keep holding towards your father. It's time to let it go. I need you to grow up in how you work. You keep talking to me about how you want to be promoted and now I'm talking to you about how I can't promote you because you don't work with integrity. When we get into a season of alignment, he begins to deal with us. He begins to put us on the machine. Now the Bible would say it like this. He's the potter. So he begins begins to put us on the wheel. And if you ever know anything about pottery, that he begins to spin that wheel and there begins to begin is some heat and some water that allows those it those um those those vessels to be crafted. And so what God is doing in the season of alignment is that he is putting you back on the wheel and he is saying, "All right, life gave you this dent and this situation gave you this crack and this thing happened that got you this and now what I'm about to do is I'm about to start rubbing that stuff out of you, rubbing that stuff out of you. And it can be a very challenging season. It can be a very irritating season because you, if you're immature, you're over here talking about what other people get to do that you don't get to do. But when we are in a season of alignment, God does not care about you doing anything but what he told you to do. That's all he cares about. That's all he's interested in. Why? Because it's a season where he needs to bring you into alignment. Why? Because if you're not in alignment, you can't be in agreement. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they agree? Many of us have wanted things from the Lord, but we weren't in agreement. No, I mean, we were in agreement that we wanted the promotion. We weren't in agreement that we wanted our character changed. We were in agreement that we wanted um, to make more money. We weren't in agreement about the tithe. 
we, we, so we wanted it. We wanted, we wanted that good life. We wanted that advancing, succeeding, making profit, progress, profitable life. We wanted it. We just didn't want it his way. How do you know we didn't want it his way? Because when God told us we should go left, we told God how pretty it was on the right. When God told us what we should stop doing, we told him how it didn't take all that to be saved. So what he says is, I'm going to align you because when I align you, you will come into agreement with me because I'm going to rub the edges off of you. I'm going to rub the things off of you that don't agree with me. And one of the biggest things that a lot of believers have to work through, Pastor Ellen talks a lot about wickedness, wickedness, or he's done some, uh, some teachings on wickedness and how wickedness is a mixture of good and evil. And one of the challenges for many believers is that we don't realize how mixed we are with good and evil. Well, what do I mean? You say yes to the assignment of God, but you're only going to do it the way you want to do it. That's a mixture of good and evil. That's wickedness. It looks like wicker furniture is twisted. And that is the reason that pruning can seem so difficult because when God begins to cut us, what he begins to do is he begins to cut those vines that we have weaved together that we thought that because I love Jesus and I was doing these things that he was okay with both of them. You see what I'm saying? And so he said there was going to be alignment. He says alignment plus agreement was going to equal advancement. And many of us just in our human nature we like give us some advancement. Woo, we want that advancement. He like great I'm so glad you said that. Let's align let's agree and then the advancement is yours. Now then the second part of that prophetic word he gave us, which is the part that everybody can quote, even if they don't go to FOC, right? Is that FOC, he says, this is the year of what? Great harvest. It is the year of great harvest, right? Understand this. If we were fighting alignment and agreement, he just, Pastor Edwin just said, alignment is about our thinking and agreement is about our heart, Right? So now, when if we, we want the year of great harvest, everybody wants harvest. Everybody wants to make more money than they made. Everybody wants to be in a better situation than they were in. But the part that we kept trying to skip over, some of us, is that we were trying to get to great harvest without the first part. And that led to frustration. But here, think about how mindful God was of us. So God knows, even this, let me say this. A lot of people mock the word about 2020 vision. They mock the word about 2020 vision and they said, oh, well, it was supposed to be 2020 vision. How come none of the prophets said um, that there was going to be a pandemic? Because God is unbothered by a pandemic because 2020 vision was about bringing your sight to his sight. And the fact that you think that the word was missed because you don't like how the world looking shows that you don't see after the things of God. When God talks about anything, he's always talking about a spiritual perspective. 2020 vision is nothing more than alignment plus agreement equals advancement. It is I am going to bring you from the low position that you are in to the high position that I have called you to be in. That's all 2020 vision was. 2020 vision didn't mean so-and-so was going to be this and so-and-so was going to be that or this was going to happen. 2020 vision was God was saying, I am going to bring you to the place that you see like I see. And for the record, that's all alignment and agreement is. I'm going to cause you to bring you to a place where you can see like I see. Because in Isaiah 55, it says you don't think like me and you don't see like me. So I'm going to give you my spirit, my word, and my pruning so you can think like me and you can see like me. 
So our pastor releases this word. Guys, is this helping y'all? And he says, it's the year of great harvest. That prophetic word becomes all of those things I just told you. What does that word become? It becomes what? It becomes a sword. So now that means that when lack tries to come to me, I am reminded that I have a sword that says it is my season of great harvest. Come on, somebody. That word, it becomes an elevation for me. And literally, we saw this happen in our church that people who were struggling before the pandemic took a hold of the great harvest word and began to increase in spite of a pandemic because they used that word in order to be a sword. They used that word to elevate and then they used that word for freedom and then they used that word to anchor their soul. So we've seen so many testimonies of people who in spite of what's going on, in spite of the unemployment rate, in spite of what the stock market is doing, in spite of their job having a furlough, that they have been increasing because they used a supernatural word to deal with natural circumstances. But understand if you don't value the prophetic or if you don't value the man who spoke the prophetic, even if you cool with him, even if he your boy, even if you think he passed the petty, even if you think he funny, it's not going to benefit you because you don't properly discern prophetic words or prophetically discern, discern the people who speaking. And that is the danger. That's the danger. I'm getting ready to wrap up. But that's the danger become, with becoming common to the people who are designed to speak into your life. Because yes, I know y'all love to say we put our pants on the same way. Yeah, we do. We put our pants on the same way. The difference is, is that God gave him a word to save your life in the midst of a pandemic. He didn't give that to you for him. And so until we repent for how we dealt with the prophetic, then what's going to happen is that when you should be living as in Goshen and overcoming and standing in victory, you'll be laughing and joking at his Facebook post and then you'll still be broke. And I talk like this because I am a prophet. So I want to go to this because I want to end it. I want to end right here. This dude say he jumped when he put his jeans on. So I think that this is important, right? Because in order to benefit from the word, I've got to value the word and I've got to value the releaser of the word. And that is the reason. And this is not just for people to go to FOC. That is the reason that the enemy wants you to be so common with fivefold ministry gifts. That is the reason that he wants you thinking that your pastor is just like you. That is the reason that he wants you to pick apart people's flaws and say they just a man like me or a woman just like me. That is the reason that he does that because he knows if you do not discern the prophetic, you will be beat up by life. And many of you have spent your life getting the hell beat out of you. You have spent the, your life with money getting ripped from you, not increasing, relationships raggedy, no health issues, I mean health issues, anxiety, stress, all of that different stuff. You have spent your life with hell lording over you and so he uses prophetic words to try to bring you out of that hell and then you disregard it you disregard it and so you've got to decide if God has given me a pastor if God hasn't given me a pastor let me get my behind to a church 
Let me quit thinking I can do this by myself. Let me quit thinking that my pastor is my peer. And some of you, you're even related to the people who are called to speak in your life, but you do just like the people in Nazareth. You go, oh, that's little Jesus. That's Mary's son. And maybe he was little Edwin. Maybe he was little bad Edwin from Gold Lake. But now he a man of God who got a word for your life. And maybe I was Sean who used to fight all the time. But now I got a word for your life. So now what you going to do? Now I want to end with this right here. The enemy really tries to fight us over prophetic words. Because if he can get you to disregard a prophetic word, he can keep you bound. If he can get you to minimize a prophetic word, then what he can do is he can keep you tapped in to the place where you live by your intellect. It doesn't make sense to say it's the year of great harvest in the midst of a pandemic. It doesn't make sense to say it. It don't make sense, but it does make God. And those of us who partnered with that word, we got to see the results of it. People got to see their business make more money than it ever made. And I just want to say this to my FOC family. Listen, I really want to encourage you to treat your pastor well. And I don't, Chris, Chris was prophetically singing today, releasing words, talking to us about peace and all of these things that God has for us. Ralph is prophetically teaching. I'm prophetically teaching. And you know what's a shame? I'm just going to tell you, what's a shame is for you to allow people who don't even go to your church, who aren't even a part of Fellowship of Champions, to hear one lesson, to hear one 15-minute um, um, snippet, and then end up in a better situation, and you go to church, and you like, that's my pastor, but you don't believe the word, and so nothing changes for you. Now, I said all of that because I want to say this right here, because I want to talk about the second prophetic word he released to us in the beginning of August. In the beginning of August, this is what he said to us. In the beginning of August, he said to us that the Lord said to him that the last five months of the year would be even better than the first seven months of the year. Did you, did you hear that? The, that the last five months of the year would be better than the first seven. Now, for everybody who had increased the first seven, you ought to be excited for every person who got free from something. And see, you need to understand that that's why the enemy's trying to wear you out and make you think you don't need to be in prayer and make you think that you don't need to be in Bible study and make you think, I don't need another Mindset Monday. I already know what Pastor Sean going to say. It's great that you can repeat what I say, but can you live it yet? And so he gives us this word and he says, guys, listen, listen, this is what the Lord said to me. That the last five months are going to be better than the first seven. That's a prophetic word. It now becomes all of our responsibility to also begin to prophesy that word. We got to begin to say, baby, these last five months, they're going to be better than the first seven. These, fat, these last five months are going to be better than the first seven. It's still my year of great harvest. And we've got to keep aligning. We've got to keep agreeing so we can keep advancing. I love what Pastor Ellen said. See, we should have taught this together. Knowing scriptures and living them are not the same. Many of you got a lot of anointed notebooks. You do. But now it's time to break through. And so some of it is that you've got to make a decision. If you're like, hey, you know what? I believe in Fellowship of Champions. I believe in my man and woman of God. I believe that their heart is for me. 
then you got to be like, when we're coming and telling you that the next five months are be going to be better than the first seven, you got to dig into that. And then you know what that means? That means that when God now comes and talks to you and says, I need you to get rid of that offense, you got to be like, oh, that must be tied to my next five being better than my first seven. That's got to go. When he tells you to stop dating that person, when he tells you to stop making certain confessions over yourself, when he tells you stuff like that, you got to be like, I don't have time. So you got to get to the point that you don't have time to quit keep fighting God. So I just want to tell you, you just got to be careful, guys. You got to properly discern prophetic words. And how many of you know, how, do, how can we be sure that this prophetic word is from God? How can we be sure that this prophetic word is from God? Look at how God has always treated his people in famine. In the solution, God, God has always had solutions for famine. So does that mean we don't know what's happening in the natural? No, that's not what it means. It means that we refuse to be limited by what's happening in the natural. This is a time that we ought to be declaring my health is getting better. My wealth is increasing. My relationships are increasing. Do you notice how many declarations we're doing around marriage and around mentality and around money? Why? Because we're trying to keep you plugged into this word that it's your year of great harvest. But let me tell you what we can't do. We cannot come to your house, climb in your brain and make you believe it and say it. We can't make you do it. We can encourage you. We can pray for you. The intercessors can pray for you. We can make declarations. We can send you text messages. We can believe God for you, but ultimately you have to participate in your own rescue. How do I participate in my own rescue? The thing Pastor El would say I'm always going to talk about, you got to obey God. A prophetic word where I don't obey God means nothing. I got to do what he tells me to do. And for some of you, it's about forgiveness. And for some of you, I keep hearing forgiveness, so I know he's talking to somebody about that. For some of you, it's, not a, it's about not being so easily offended. For some of you, it's about increasing in your integrity. For some of you, it's about going back to school. For some of you, it's about building that business like he's told you to build it. But if you want what the prophet has released, the prophetic word over our future, you have got to obey God. Because what he says in Isaiah 1 and 19 that we live our life by is that if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And I am prophesying you over to you today that if you obey God, nothing will be able to hold you back. No, did you hear what I said? If you will obey God, nothing will be able to hold you back. He will cause you to prosper no matter what happens. If you obey God, that means you got to obey God if your friends do or if your friends don't. If your husband do or if your husband don't. If your wife do or if your wife don't. You got to obey God no matter what because the reward for obedience is sweet. All right, I'm done. Pastor Ellen's coming back. God bless y'all. What? You're not coming back? What? Listen, do y'all see how I don't do him like this? Do you see how I'm doing like this? But he's my pastor, so I'm going to stay on over here. Listen, you ought to sow into this word today. You ought to sow into this word today. Man, fellowship of champions is good ground. You need to make a decision if you want to be a virtual partner. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, then you need to do that. They laughing. You see how cold, listen, he, listen, 
he do me he do me like that in public because he know what I'm gonna do the right thing because he the, he my pastor. You see what I'm saying? So they have the ways to give up there. You can give through push pay. You can get pay through. You can give through Givelify. You can pay through Tidally. But let me tell you something. Um, this is good grain, and we are here to see the people of God win. And I want to implore. In what what Paul say, beseech. I want to beseech the partners of Fellowship of Champions. Please do not allow people who aren't even partners, who just drop in and watch a message, who just drop in and see Ralph one time, who just drop in and watch Mindset Monday. Please do not allow those people to get a harvest while you sitting there struggling. Please do not go with them. I'm not saying they can't come too. I'm saying you ought to go. You ought to be like, there is no way in the world that I am going to have my pastor teaching me that I am supposed to succeed in this season. And I'm going to let somebody who don't even call them pastor get what's on there. I'm not going to do it. And if you heard me when I talked to Pastor Cynthia, when I did that, when we did that first live together, I talked about that. I was not okay. I was excited that other people was getting breakthrough, but it just won no way in the world that my spiritual mother was going to be teaching stuff to get people breakthrough and I wasn't going to get breakthrough either. I, I, I'm just not, not going to do it. So listen, Mindset Monday, tomorrow, Tuesday, Bible um, prayer. We something supernatural happens when we pray. I'm asking our past. I'm, I'm asking our partners to to grow up and get on prayer. We don't see your face, so just put the put it in your ear and wash dishes or something. But pray, and I'm asking you to come to Bible study on Wednesday, and I'm asking you to come to praise and worship on Sunday. I'm asking you to come back to church on Sunday, and I'm you know what I'm asking you to do most of all. Obey God. I'm asking you to grow up and obey God. I'm at, in fact, I'm asking you to make a decision. I'm asking you to make a decision right now that the things that God keep talking to you about, you drawing a line in the sand. You're not going to keep coming back to this. You're not going to keep coming back to these same struggles fighting God. You're going to obey God. Amen. So I love you guys. I want to just declare over you this week. I declare that you have all that you need. I declare that you increase. I declare that you have the grace to obey God. I declare that you participate in the grace to obey God. And I declare that the last five months of this year will be better than your first seven. It is so in Jesus name. Send us your testimonies. All right. We love you guys.